What's up, guys, and welcome back to Paint Bravely, the podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover new ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. Now, we're going to do a little chat, talk about what we've been working on a little bit, and then we're going to get into, I think, some pretty cool stuff, some 3D printing stuff, and then some things that might be a little weird, like the kinds of things that might get your hobby card revoked, if you know what I mean. So let's yeah, start. We'll see with... how far we get. We'll see how far we <laughs> That's get. That's true. That's very true. 3D printing can be a daunting subject. So we'll yeah, see how far we don't get. Don't overpromise here, Casey. Never overpromise. We're gonna we're well... gonna start out with the chat and then we'll we'll see what happens. You never can <laughs> tell. So. <laughs> you never know. Uh but why don't we start with you, man? Like what have you been up to the last since since we talked last? Okay. So when I'm coming up with these, I find that I almost always just end up w- writing down what I watched on TV recently. So, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll start with that, as is tradition. I watched The Expanse on Amazon recently. So Very nice. Yeah, four seasons, sci-fi, and, you know, sometimes when I'm watching a TV show or a movie, I get a lot of, like, paint scheme ideas and, you know, some colors that really work well together. And that show is mostly in space. It's a lot of grays, you know, not not a lot of gray colors, but kind of reminded me that I that I do like just some some back to basics sci-fi every once in a while. It's uh, the yeah. setting is just humans have colonized the solar system, and war war is breaking out between Mars and Earth and and the Belt, and it's great. It's great. There's no aliens. There's no Jedi. It's just you know, humans being dicks to each other in space the way we're we're dicks to each other here on Earth, so. The, the way that, that space travel is probably going to eventually become, like, it, it'll just be us floating around in our small space, you know. Yeah. Being dicks to each other. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's wonderful, it's great. Yeah. I really and, like that show, yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't uh, treat the viewer like they're stupid or anything. You know, there's there's no layman character explaining the very basics of space travel or anything. <laughs> you know, they they show a ship accelerating for halfway through the journey, and then they turn around, and the engine burns in the other direction for the other half of the journey to slow them down to, so that they're not going too fast when they make it all the way to Neptune or whatever. And right. no one ever has to say... And now we're turning around to go in the other direction so that we're not going so fast when we get to Neptune. They just, they assume that the viewer is smart enough to figure out the very basics of physics of interplanetary travel. This is great. Right, right. Well, and it's, it's like, it's the kind of show that it's kind of slow and plotting, but then there's like excitement that makes you want to watch the next episode. So it, I like that. You're right. They, they don't over-explain anything. You you have to pay attention enough, and then little things pop up that kind of interplay with other episodes and themes, and I like that. It's kind of, you're uncovering this at the same rate that these people are. Yeah. yeah I gotta say, though, it's not great for mini-painting uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I wasn't mm-hmm. pulling a ton of inspiration out of it, you know, some cool colors in the in the planets and stuff, and some of the spaceships have an awesome design, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a show that's engaging enough that you're actually watching it, so, you mm-hmm. know, if I'm, if I'm watching <laughs> The Office or, 
Star Trek reruns or whatever, those can be on in the background. I don't need to be looking at Picard to know he's sitting in his captain chair, you know, just yelling at war or whatever. You, right. Your brain fills all that in, you know. Yeah. I like that about certain TV shows you, you've watched already. Yeah. You know, you, you don't need to look at it anymore. It's just playing in your head. Right. But if it's a TV show that you haven't seen before that's actually worth watching, then you're just not looking at your mini anymore. You're just watching the TV show and maybe you're still holding a mini but not getting much done. I can I can that's pretty much get uh, I can normally get mold line scraping done. Mm-hmm. Or, or like the basics of assembly. I can uh, you know, put some plastic glue on there, hold two bits together while I go back to watching what's going on in the expanse, but Anyway, for for me, that was just a, a couple of completely wasted days. I had a I had a couple of binge <laughs> days on that, and um, so what did you do, Casey? I've, I've got some more <laughs> stuff that I actually accomplished, but let's let's turn it over to right. you. What's what's new all with right, you? Right. Um, well, I got a three D printer finally, which is kind of why I alluded to the fact that we're going to be talking about three D printing, but I've been really getting into that, so. I got 3D printer in the mail. Anycubic was kind enough to send me one for review. So, uh, you know, I'll be doing a video here in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I opened it up and I just kind of went for it. You know, didn't, didn't really go into too many tutorials or anything. I just wanted to see if I could figure it out on my own. And luckily, I could. And I decided to print you, Brent. That was the first thing I printed. <laughs> you did send me that picture. Yeah, that's that's a whole topic all on its own, isn't it? Yeah, there there <laughs> are print? now yeah. 3D print files available for uh, Brent. Goobertown Brent is available from two different companies right now, actually. Right. I saw that you well, printed I have the, the one the with running the, the cats. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the cats one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that model a lot. <laughs> I even painted it. I, I gave it a, a quick little 10-minute you know, paint job. And I, uh, I even threw over your eyes. I put that, uh, was it like makeup line that we were talking about from Endgame? Yeah. Yeah. I got to figure out what <laughs> the word is for that. Like the, the stripe of, you know, purple or black or dark blue or whatever that goes across the eyes. It's right. Like, right. Kind of like a war paint. Yeah. Cause native Americans used to do that. Right. Or is that just something Hollywood Oh, definitely in movies they do that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a thing. Um, Yeah, I can't think of any other place where I've seen that other than that. Yeah, it looks cool in movies, though, and and I'm sure that the Mini looks good with that. But anyway, the the Mini that we're talking about here, uh, designed by Titanforge, and essentially I told them about one of my favorite Minis in existence, which is an extra bit from the old plastic giant kit from GW, the the yes. Gargant kit. And anyway, in that kit, there is a scared villager. He's mm-hmm. like kind of just a peasant wearing like a tunic and pantaloons and a silly little hat. And he is running as fast as yeah, he can. Really He's scared. got his <laughs> hands over his head, just all out running, He's he's yelling, and you can tell that in his mouth he has a total of four teeth, I think. And he is yeah, just this poor, <laughs> beleaguered guy who's who's running. And I call him Johan. I think his his canon I, I name actually is Johan. Name, but, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's right. GW started, or or one of their affiliates or something, started putting Johan into little cartoons and stuff recently, right? <laughs> something like that. I know they were doing, and I, I'm, I'm convinced this is because of you, but they started doing pictures with him in it for their community posts. Yeah, those are of those him are running glorious. From things. Yeah. He's he's such a great model. I mean, that kid's been around for a long time. And of course yeah. the the original purpose of of the bit was you buy a giant and then the giant mm-hmm. to make the giant even more cool, there's this scared villager running away from him as fast as he can, a look of absolute terror <laughs> on his face because this giant is four times as tall as he is and it's carrying it like right. a big rock for no reason and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've used I've used that model well, I guess once technically. Uh running out of a graveyard from a black coach, one of the old pewter ones. Oh yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Do you yeah. think they're gonna put a new one in the new Gargant releases? Well, there's a question. I have no idea, but it is good to see that they've, you know, taken a renewed interest in that model because Yeah. You know, these these like flavor characters I love. You know, uh, right. townsfolk of any kind I love. You know, there are so many models out there of heroes or of soldiers or wizards or whatever where yeah. really we know that most of any fantasy world is gonna be scared peasants running from things and that's just a a really underrepresented population in terms of sculptures. And I'm glad there's there's at least one, but now there are at least two of those in existence. So I yes. told the guys at Titan Forge that this was one, one of my favorite models and that they would make me happy if they could increase the number of uh, scared villager models out there. Yeah. And, and oh, did they... <laughs> Yeah, they did. <laughs> they It's so good. <laughs> yeah, they took a picture of my face and they have a mini who's running and I think he has like one hand up maybe, like flailing around. Yeah, like one one hand kind of up, like, you know, coming back a little bit and then the other one holding your cats. Yeah. So this is a scared villager who's evacuating from wherever he's going holding two cats. And yes. And just like Johan, the scared Brent, you can have him running from any monster, any enemy. Any model that you paint of some really cool bug or whatever troll looks better with somebody running from it in terror. And now you've yeah. got options. You got you got Johan and you've got Brent running away, just trying to evacuate two cats. So Yeah. Well Johan's hard to get these days. I know they they reprinted um, the Gargan boxes with the Gloom Spike Gits release, and I'm pretty sure one came in that box. And I mean, I I suppose you could go buy the box, but they're they're pretty expensive just for the the normal model. Yeah, um, I mean it's a and I, I it's a big model. You know, the giant that. is of course a big model. I think it was you know a sixty dollar box or something, yeah. and. I think the giant bottle is pretty good, but I am definitely at the point where the most interesting <laughs> part of that box is the Johan. And yeah. <laughs> that's why there's all these used giants going on eBay. They just wanted the Johan. So now they're selling the giant separate. Yeah, Casey, you should be tuned into that. I mean, what are, what are the prices on Gargants like right now? So they've got the new that's army book question. coming out, right? But they've also. Oh, yeah. In fact, I have been looking that stuff up. Um, 
because I, I really wanted to take one of those models. I wanted to find like just a busted one of those missing pieces or whatever and turn it into a great unclean one. Because I have in, in the great unclean one kit, you get extra heads and arms to make the other version, like the Rodigus version. Um, so I wanted to turn one of those into them, but the prices have gone way up. For the longest time, they were 15, 20 bucks for like, you know, kind of busted version. And now you, you can't find one of those models for like under 80 bucks. Like they, they've gone way up. Yeah. For, for a single yeah. giant, for a plastic yes. giant. Even if it's terribly painted. Wow. Yeah, they're super expensive right now. I mean, obviously people are excited. You know, those new kits are going to be awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that particular release. Well, cool. Yeah. Huh. That's a, that's a lot to think about, Casey. I'm I'm glad you've got the, your uh, your finger on the pulse here. Yeah. <laughs> Just happened to look it up like last night. <laughs> well, we can uh, we can get into this more later. But one of the nice things about 3D printing is you don't have to worry about the ratio of different bits in a box. You know. If mm -hmm. the only thing you want in the Gargant box is a fleeing villager who is a tiny part of sprue number two in that box, you can mm -hmm. just print out a hundred Johans for, you know, the price of half the price of that box, basically. So your next big video, right, is going to be, I printed a hundred Johans. That'd and be awesome. Be running from, from one, I don't, one thing or another. You should, you should do that. Yeah. I, I actually have printed about a hundred Brents by now, of, of a, <laughs> but between the two different sculpts, and uh, right. that actually was a video idea, and, and I still may do it. But that's kind of a video idea. I keep pushing back and back and back, but I do have a box that is right. just ranks of of Brent of Goobertown <laughs> from Artisan Guild. That's awesome. That it, would it's, be weird. it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. 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 So Artisan Guild made a sculpture with my head on it that's uh, like a noble paladin sort of fighter guy. Right, yeah. Brent of Goobertown, and that's a much more heroic pose than just running away from something with two cats. <laughs> but that's the beauty Which of the, of the running more? away <laughs> figure, though. The could be running away or could be running towards something. I'm working on that's a... True working on a project right now where I think it'd actually be funnier if this, this crazy villager runs into a tavern and then what happens with next? A couple so like, of cats, yeah. yeah. Some, <laughs> some crazy man run in, runs into a tavern with two cats and under his arm and yeah. Well, Hey, I mean that, you know, it's funny, like, cause I put that, that stripe on, on the eyes and like, it definitely changes the mood of this model. Like you look like a crazed maniac who is definitely running into somewhere to do something terrible to someone. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that, uh, that change, you know? Yeah. Well, cause I gave you little glowing eyes too. So, well, that's a great yeah. take. I'm really curious <laughs> to see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I also had a really bad commission experience this week. Okay. Well, do you want to do you want to talk about that and bring us all down here or what? I'm gonna, I'm going to bring it down. I mean, there's there's some good stuff that came out of it. Um the video that just went up on my channel was about converting blight kings and turning them into basically plague marines for death guard. 
Um, the reception's been really good for that video. I had a lot of fun doing it, but that was technically a commission. Um, so this dude reached out to me two or three months ago. Um, said he had these used Blight Kings and he wanted me to do some work on them. He wanted me to convert them and paint them. So I gave him a quote. I thought it was pretty fair. He came back the first time and was like, oh man, you know, that's, that's too expensive. I can't afford that. And so I said, well, I'm sorry then that's, you know, that's as low as I can go. Right. Um, and like a, a day later he, he comes back and he's like, Hey, you know, I've been thinking about it. Um, like, why don't we just do the conversion part and then, you know, we'll do the painting afterwards and then, you know, I can kind of send you money along the way. And I, you know, I said, that's fine. Cause obviously, you know, for a commission, I get sent the models. So it's like, if you don't pay for them, I'm not sending them back. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it makes sense. Um, but like he, so yeah, he sent me the models. And I've been kind of sitting on the project for a little bit, kind of figuring out when would be the best time. And I decided, you know, last week was the time to do it. So I started putting everything together and I, I got all the conversions done. And then, you know, I sent him the pictures and like he liked he liked what I did. But then he started asking me some other stuff like, well, why didn't you do the rest of it? And it's like, well, what are you talking about? the rest of it. He sent me extra models in the box and was like, Oh, we can work something out for that later. Like he was already planning on another project. Okay. And I said, well, that's not really part of this. So like, I'm just going to set those aside. Right. And he's like, well, we agreed that you would do all this extra work. And I said, no, <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> so it kind of went back and forth like that. And he got like really mad that I didn't want to like, do all this extra work and all this stuff for him. And so it's like, okay, well, I don't know what the problem is. Like the estimate is the estimate. It's like, it's a signed printed document that we both agreed on. Um, and, and what was it like five or 10 models or? Yeah, it was five blight Kings. Okay. And, and he, he paid for the, the parts. He sent me $40 for the bits so that I would buy the bits. Normally I don't like to do that, but, whatever didn't really matter um basically what it came down to was i sent him the final bill right saying here's how much it, it it's going to cost as per our agreement and he was like oh you're you're just trying to rip me off like i sent you 40 dollars already and i didn't expect it to be any more money than that and it's like, why would I have converted five models for $40? That seems crazy. Especially if that $40 was the materials cost. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. yes. Four bits. <laughs> so, yeah, he got he got super mad. And I was basically like, I don't understand why you're getting upset. Um, but he basically was like, I'm not paying you any money. And it's like, okay, you know, whatever, like. I'm not going to paint these. I'm not going to work on these anymore. So I shipped them back. And I said, just don't, don't bother. You know, um, this was like the commission that was the last commission on my desk, right? Like I've been talking about not wanting to do them anymore. And this kind of solidified for me the fact that I just don't want to do commissions. Like I'm done. So I, I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm going to miss out on some money. Screw it. Send them back and be done. 
Well, that's yeah. uh, that's kind of nice to have as your as your final commission experience, right? That, <laughs> that keeps bit, yeah. you from being tempted to to dip your toe in again. And yeah, 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 man. And I am I'm being tempted like constantly too. I've like in the last week I've gotten like three different requests to to do conversions and painting and all this stuff. And I'm like, those sound like such good projects. <laughs> right, no, pe- people <laughs> stop asking Casey. He doesn't want to do it. You're wasting your time. Right. You're wasting Casey's time. Don't don't email Casey. He he doesn't want to do your commissions. Yeah. Well, the nice thing Am is I, I set up a form on my website. No, I'm just I'm just pushing that further, right? So I set up a form on my website, eminminiaturerescues.com, um, for commissions. You fill it out. You you attach pictures. I can see everything. It's got the job layout. That way, I can easily do the estimates and send them back really quick. Um, so I've just been telling people like, Hey, commissions are closed, but you know, if I ever decide to do it again, you can send it there. And that seems to be working out pretty good so far. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked before a little bit about what doing commission work is like from your experience. I don't have any, but, (laughs) right. (laughs) But a big part of it is, you know, it not only just figuring out your hourly rate and, and being, realistic about that stuff but also each client is different and at the the end of the day the client is asking you to paint you know models and toys and this is their 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 fun bucks and stuff and the rate is going to be more than the actual cost of the toys which uh not everybody necessarily has has given a lot of thought to already right yeah but i i I think that there's still a line though, like expecting $40 to be the number for like what is obviously more than a day's worth of work, you know, seems unreasonable. Well, you know, I mean, if you're making $3 and 50 cents an hour because you're having so much fun doing the conversion and, uh, right. (laughs) You're not including the time it takes to set up these gigs and all that. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's always going to be time that you eat, like doing estimates and stuff like that. But it shouldn't ever be while you're actually putting in work. So, yeah. But that's that's my story. Um, well, those Marines looked great, yeah. though, uh, to, to put a little <laughs> bow on that. The... Uh, Sad that you don't own them anymore, but they they did look pretty nice on the video. You got a lot of creative stuff in there. You incorporated some some cool, interesting bits to to make those look like Space Marines. And yeah, I mean, it, I I really like the way that they turned out, and um, you know, I think that's the sad part. Like, I was looking forward to actually painting them after I finished converting them. Um, luckily, I also did an extra one for myself. Because I had other bits. I didn't use any of his bits. I made sure of that. Um, I bought extra stuff. Um, well, I guess I should backtrack a little. So part of the problem that he had was I he wanted Cromlech heads for all mm-hmm. of them. And I ordered some. The only place they were available at the given time was from Poland. Like from their factory. Okay. So that's what it was. It took a while to get here. Um but I like they weren't showing up after like four weeks. So I, I emailed them and they're like, oh, we don't know. You know, COVID. I don't know. My, they might be lost, but just keep waiting. 
Um, but I, I went ahead and with my own money ordered another set from a store that just had them pop up like in the U S so like I got those within two days and so I used those and then the other ones came after I was pretty much done. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. The, yeah. the extra mini that you made for that video looks great. Uh, I think it was a great conversion. What'd you do? You, you swapped out both hands, you swapped out the head, different backpack. Yeah. Yeah. The Blight Kings don't, don't even have backpacks. So yeah, I threw on a backpack some new hands, and I made a bunch of tentacles, which was pretty fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good little project. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Let's see here. On the notes here, I have that I, I did actually do some some hobby time in the last week, and mm. mine actually is a little bit of painting bravely here. So a video that's been out for a little while now is Necron painting schemes, where I... yeah. I mean, Necrons always have this uh, reputation of being easy to paint because it's just a robot and you decide what color the robot <laughs> is and then there you go. It's not like right. it has, it's not like an orc that has belts and pouches and guns and teeth and everything. It's yeah. it, it's a robot. So if you want, you can just do, you know, silver and nulm oil or you can do just a silver dry brush or... You know, there's all kinds of really quick and easy ways to do a Necron warrior. They're just a Terminator. They're they're a big old robot. Pretty much, huh? And I was trying about uh, trying about trying a bunch of different schemes, and what I came up with for one of them was camo. So mm. a green jungle camo Necron, and I wanted to mention that because I think it's a maybe an interesting on-road into freehand painting. Sure, yeah. So it's not, okay, there is a knee pad of armor on this Necron, and the knee pad is going to be red, and then maybe I'll make the shoulder pad blue. And so there's that way of painting that's very much like a coloring book where you decide what, yeah. you know, what color each segment is going to be, and that's your color scheme. Whereas, you know, freehand painting, it's much more being able to say there's going to be a bunch, there's going to be a pattern on this yeah. piece of armor. <clears throat> and I think that camo may be the easiest way to start to, you know, ease into that, to break into that of saying that this is going to be a pattern or a design or, you know, eventually a, an actual picture or heraldry or something like that. But Camo is a good start because it's just splotches. It's just dots. Right, yeah. And I think it's a, it's a good way to, to ease into that. So, you know, painted it green, just uh, dabbed on some brown, dabbed on some, some black, some other greens. And, you know, at first it, it just looks stupid. There's just spots of brown <laughs> on top of green. Right. But once you get a couple of colors on there, then you start to see, okay, this looks like a camouflage pattern I may have seen before. And right, yeah. The nice thing is that here on Earth, humans have had many, many, many different camouflage schemes. And a lot of them are made by people who are worse painters than us. You know, just right, They're just like dipping the brush, splattering it on. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, they give an 18-year-old a paintbrush and point him at a tank and tell him to make it camouflage or whatnot. I, I assume that's what yeah. happens in, in the majority of wars. I don't know. Maybe it's Probably. a spray can. I, I don't know. That's that's my understanding. But <laughs> Yeah, they buy the, the Krylon camo trio pack of yeah. three colors. They just go for it. <laughs> right. That, that, that That's my understanding of how the army paints its tanks. But... Seems reasonable, yeah. It would work. It would work. Yeah. The, the My point here is that camo is not difficult to do. And right. it's one of those things you just got to, you know, paint bravely, have faith that it's going to turn out, and pick pick three or four different colors for your splotches, and go for it. See what happens. Yeah. Have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you start doing, and you, it. I mean, that first splotch, right? Oh, yeah. Like you've got your nice clean model and then you pick that bright color and just poke it at the model. And if you left it there, it's like, yeah, you just you just put a giant green spot in the middle of your model. Yeah. But that's that whole follow through thing, right? You know, you got to hope that when you're done with it, it's going to be the thing that you want it to be because it certainly won't look like it until you're done. Right. And on that first plot, you know, you could overthink that so much, like, oh, is that mm-hmm. is that too much like a circle? Should I make that a, a weirder, curvy pattern? Oh, now, like, this corner of it kind of looks like a corner, and then, like, no, just forget about right. that. As soon as you make just that first it. splotch, the next thing to do is to go make another spot, and another spot, and another spot, and come out with another color. And if if after all of that you still remember, like, some really weird part of that first spot that you do not like... Well, that's where your second color just covers that right on up. Don't even worry about that. Keep yeah. on going and, and you know, bust through there. And, you know, I think there there may be a progression, and this could be, you know, a whole other episode, but a progression of patterns to learn to paint on minis. Like if there mm-hmm. is just a, a blank open area on a piece of cloth, a piece of armor, whatever, you know, you, maybe you make stripes, maybe you make a checkered board pattern. There's there's definitely like a progression of patterns that you can put onto minis. And it yeah. goes something like camo to stripes to checkerboard to plaid to, you know, tartan to... And eventually you're, you're Cujo and you're just making the, the best <laughs> right. kilts that anyone has ever seen. For real. Yeah, but... Yeah, you got to start somewhere, and uh, all I wanted to say is I had fun doing camo. I had never tried to do camo before, and it turned out just fine. It is it is hard to mess up, I think. Uh, give, give it a shot. Yeah, Highly I recommend you it. could have just gotten lucky, but no. I mean, it, <laughs> it certainly seems like you had the right idea going in, you know. Just, just lay that paint down and go for it, you know, and it turned out. Yeah. And that's awesome. And... Okay, again, baby steps towards getting to being comfortable with freehand. We're we're all gonna get there. You know, I know Sam Lenz will file down details to make sure that he has big open areas to right. you know use as a canvas to draw crazy, yeah. crazy scenes. You know, if if there's a banner that has sculpted details on the banner, he'll file those off so he just has a big empty banner to draw a, a mural on or a, a tapestry. Yeah. You know. Which or, is is mighty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
we would love to get to that point. I would love to get to that point of just, yeah. you know, seeing a shield and, and wanting that to be a completely blank shield so that you can quarter it and draw your own heraldry on there with Pegasus and Florida and, I don't know, some tigers or lions or something. and All of those things put together, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it all starts that. at camo. That's That's all I had. All right, what's next, Casey? Um, well, I suppose we can get into 3D printing in general and then talk about our different experiences with it, maybe what it's doing for the hobby. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So you have your first 3D printer. You have the Anycubic Photon S, is that right? Yeah, Anycubic Photon S. Okay, yes. what? Yeah, tell us about your, your first few days there. Let's see. Well, the first few days, um, like, I went online. I went to that particular Patreon where you have that running Brent. Mm -hmm. And I made sure to get files that I knew were pretty much, like, pre-ready, pre-set up for me to succeed, right? Because I had no idea about things like Chitu Box. That took me a minute to figure out. Um, I didn't know about Thingiverse. So I went through there and I like I preemptively downloaded a bunch of files I thought would be fun to print out. So I like I went and collected my assets. Um I went in, leveled the bed. I knew you're supposed to do that. Um apparently with like a piece of paper. That's the best way to do it. Right, right. Yeah, so like I, I tried that and that seemed to work pretty good and I threw my files in there and they printed First go. Yeah, nice. Pretty happy with myself for that. Yeah. So, so a lot of these 3D printer companies are based in China, and the instruction manuals for them are often fairly short, and the pictures are normally pretty good in there, but they're, mm -hmm. they are not in-depth manuals that to get you up and running. But luckily, it doesn't take many steps, I found, to start to to print yeah yeah i think your experience was a lot like mine you know my first print was also successful knowing nothing beforehand reading the manual just to you know level the print bed which is just make sure that the yeah the print bread the print bed which is the the build plate of of the printer where the the resin starts building up layer by layer by layer until you have a model that part needs to start by laying perfectly flat against the lcd screen at the bottom of the vat of resin and so it's just yeah. a, a leveling exercise to make sure that you're calibrated and then pretty much you fill up the vat of resin and you put in a file and you hit go and Really, I think where most of the learning comes in is making sure that your file is set up the right way. Yeah. And that's where, you know, Cheetubox is the name of the program, the, the slicer program to make sure that your, your print file is the way it's supposed to be, that your printer knows what it's doing and what kind of supports to have on the model. And right now you can uh, pretty easily get a lot of files that are pre-supported. So... It's starting to become the norm that these uh, Patreons that, that offer 
fantasy and sci-fi minis for printing. They will have the regular version of the STL file, you know, the, the image of, of the model. And then they will also have a pre-supported version of that file. And normally the pre-supported version works pretty well. You just yeah. got to plug in a little bit of information for how fast you want your printer to, to try to crank that out. And that's about it, really. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was pretty much my experience. Um, like loading loading that on into the Anycubic software. Uh, I didn't change any of the settings either. I wanted to just see how it would work right out of the gate. Uh, and it still it still worked really well. And like the model turned out nice. Um since then, I've been tweaking with a lot of the settings and speeds and those kinds of things. Um, you know, trying to get files to work properly. I've had a few failed prints now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I broke the printer at one point. Um, I couldn't get any of the the stu- like any of the prints to stick to the plate. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I I did like six of those in a row like not understanding what was going on. Um, and until I went online and fa- I found out what Chitu box actually was, cause I was just using the any cubic software. Okay. You know, it's like, well, they're supported. These models are supported and I would get weirdness. Like it, like half of something would print and the other half wouldn't. So if I laid out like five things on the, on the plate, like a couple of them would print fine. And then a couple of them wouldn't even show up. So it was weird problems like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. once I got that, that other software, I haven't had a failed print since. Hey, fingers crossed. So far, so good. Yeah, right. I'd say my impression of printing is that it's uh, easy to learn, hard to master sort of thing. Where right. the, there are a handful of people out there who are truly experts at this, who know you know, how to dial in all of those settings to be right for every resin. And each resin is different. You know, all of these different uh, manufacturers selling their resins, and they come in all different colors. And just the way that uh, photopolymerization works, this is one situation where the color of the plastic actually matters. Right. (laughs) Which is... uh, you know, in almost any other situation, you, you go to the store and you you want the pink headphones or the black headphones. You want the the green whatever. You want the green Lego or the red Lego. Yeah. And for the most part, it's just marketing, you know, if there's a difference in price or, you know, the, the pink iPod is, is really popular right. that year or whatever. Um, and and normally we think of color as just being completely superficial and not mattering for for how the product actually works but in the case of printing the the screen of the LCD printer is is shooting light at this resin and it's it's light that's just barely into the ultraviolet which means that depending on the color of the resin Sometimes just the fact that it's colored resin is absorbing some of that light, which is messing around with how long it takes to to polymerize, to harden up. So uh, there 
you know, all this is to say that every resin really is different. You know, not only are the different companies playing around with, you know, different ratios of materials in there to, to get different viscosity and, and maybe get a different, you know, hardness or pliability of the, of the finished material, but also just the, the color itself will, I mean, sometimes slightly, but sometimes drastically change how that resin works as it is, as it is hardening up. So, you know, there's a, there's a community out there of printers who, you know, make spreadsheets of, okay, I've, I've got the best results with this resin at these settings or had the least failed prints or, you know, what have you. And right. so there, you know, there, there is consensus about best practices for all these things, but in terms of people who really, really understand this, there's, you know, it takes doing a lot of printing to really understand this. And of course, if you're doing a lot of printing, your, your instrument is getting older, you're replacing your LCD screen after, you know, uh, certain thousands of, of hours of printing. Right. Um, and of course, you know, the resin itself has a shelf life of a year or two probably. And mm -hmm. so just there there are a lot of variables in terms of actually really figuring this stuff out so at this point you know i've i've printed several hundred models at this point but i still don't feel like i'm too much farther along in my understanding than you are necessarily <laughs> casey so right. I, you know i've i've come to recognize some problems and being be able to fix them but mm -hmm. at the same point it's like you know i've i've used several different types of resin and, you know, of course, the temperature uh, does have an effect on whether or not your models are, are sticking to the build plate and, and how that polymerization is going. So there, there are a lot of variables there, and, and there is an element of, okay, I got, I got the thing set up. Let's uh, cross our fingers here and, and pray that this will work. And Luckily, for the most part, it does work. You know, these these printers have one moving part. There's just that uh, Z-axis motor that goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. And then there's, you know, the electronic component of the basically cell phone screen that shoots out ultraviolet radiation to, to make the polymerization happen. Yeah. And so there's there's actually not that <clears throat> many pieces that can fail on these. But still, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the only other the problem, like that, I thought I broke the printer, or did something wrong, was uh, it wasn't reading any of my files, and so I I uh, installed new firmware and a new UI, updated everything. I even checked to make sure all my software was up to date, and it still didn't fix it. Turns out that if you put a file on your uh, USB drive that you plug into the side to access the files through the printer. If any of those files are corrupt in any way whatsoever, it basically is continually trying to load the preview for that file and will not let the rest of them show up or be read. So I had to do some digging to fix that. It took me about an hour, but I, once I figured it out, it's like, okay, this file is broken somehow. Um, well, I haven't, I haven't run into that one. That's, that's a new one, but I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. If, if, yeah, if your printer just doesn't read files, then yes, 
try them one at a time on your on your flash drive. Hey, good. So, I guess let's let's kind of bring to a close our, our experience of the actual printing here. Yeah, yeah. Um, need to mention that resin does smell. I mean, it depends on which brand you're using and and which line and, and whatever. But resin does does smell. So you know, if you're thinking about whether to get a printer, think about uh, maybe not having it in a room that you or your family or your pets spend any actual time in. You know, yeah. Uh, if if you have a you know a workshop or a basement or a garage or that that would be ideal, just a room where you do not need to be spending your time. Uh, in terms of actual health effects, I mean, it shouldn't be a carcinogen. Like, I mean, you can yeah. you can request the SDS, MSDS sheets and stuff. Yeah, there's there's worse stuff out there in the world for sure. But uh, <laughs> I've definitely felt like a little tightness in my chest before if I've spent too much time near my printer. Like I've I, right, it's you can smell that it's not great for you, you know. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. There was one time, uh, you know, I brought some friends downstairs to to play a game of magic, and the best place we had to play magic was uh, down at the basement next to. I had a couple of printers running at the time, and right. we were down there for a little while, and they're just like, "Wait, this is terrible!" Like I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We should not be hanging out here and smelling this stuff, but yeah. Um, I've not had too many issues with the the smell. I've I've actually I thought it was a bit mild, uh, more than I was expecting, and I'm not sure if that's just because it's like the standard photon green resin or what the deal is. Or there's supposedly um, there are some extra vents and filters in the photon S that that take that smell out apparently. Like there's these little filters in the back. I don't know, um, but you know, I I put my printer in a room off to the side, and there's like a window that I can crack open and stuff. So it's not been too terrible. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. What uh, what resin do you prefer? Like what color? So the the one thing I will say about this is. Think about what the model looks like when it's done, like whether you can actually see the details or not. So most model companies or like a lot of model companies sell gray plastic. And mm -hmm. I mean, styrene plastic, polystyrene plastic isn't gray. That's that's a dye that's that's added to it. There's a reason why they choose to sell gray plastic. And I think that's because you can normally see the details pretty well, even if yeah. there's, you know, no actual contrast on the material yeah and so uh, i have used a handful of different colors of resin at this point and white for example you can't see anything white right. resin it's it's just like staring into the sun or you know staring <laughs> at a snowy landscape on a bright right. day you can't see anything you, you it's yeah you have no white you can pretty much see like the outline of the model, but other than that, you have no idea if the nose printed correctly or or if any mm. of the details on the face or the hands is there. You can't see anything with the white print, and I mean to varying degrees, that's true of of any of the colors. 
I've found a lot of times that I need to prime it black and then do the zenithal highlight on it. And then I can see yeah. like, okay, this turned out all right. Or, okay, there's there's some lines on this or whatever. But Yeah. Yeah, the, the green I, I felt wasn't too bad. Like, I could mostly see the details. Um, but obviously, yeah, priming it, doing a zenithal, it was like, oh, this this worked way better than I thought it did. Right. And, and of know. course, that helps with any model. And yeah. to a degree, that was always true with uh, white metal models. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the metal models would always have, like, different grades. Like, some would be shiny and some wouldn't be. But, like, the really shiny white metals... It's really hard to see what was going on there. Might yeah. be able to catch the glint at on the lips or the nose or something, <laughs> but those are just another situation where yeah, you got it. Kind of got to prime it up and get some paint on there before you can even tell what you're looking at. Yeah, that that's something that I'd really like to find is a preferred brand and color of resin. I think that would help a lot in terms of dialing all this stuff in because. Part of the problem is I haven't taken the time to optimize. You know, my background is as a scientist. Like I, I understand how to run some experiments to get you know optimal conditions for something. But mm -hmm. my problem is I've got like five different colors and brands of resin on my shelf right now, and I'm not yeah. going to take the time. I'm, I'm not going to use like you know three quarters of a bottle of resin to optimize for the the extra quarter of the bottle that's left at the end you know <laughs> right that's a good point yeah so uh, i did i did go and buy some gray resin because i i've already gone through the entire bottle that came with the the machine mm -hmm. yeah that was quick um so i'm hoping like you said you know that the gray you know we're pretty used to gray plastic and i'm hoping that might just be easier for me to tell and if it still works about the same as the the green that i was using you know like uh pass fail ratio whatever um then i think i'll probably stick with that because i it, it is easier to see like right when it's done you can see it right you're used to that you can see defects you know you see a games workshop model and if there's some gouge out of it you're going to notice so i'm hoping that that kind of translates so I'll have, to, I'll have to keep you updated on that with the Greg. Yeah, I know um, Greg from 3D Printing Pro is a, a YouTube channel that he is one of the people who really does print enough to actually understand this stuff and, right. you know, to know, you know, when you can tweak, you know, some of the, the timing settings in terms of the liftoff speed and the amount of... Hello, Gordon. Um <laughs> Anyway, 3D Printing Pro, he's one of the people that actually understands all the settings and prints enough to, to you know, optimize and dial things in. And I know that he definitely has found a brand of gray resin that he likes. And so when mm. he's doing his test prints, um, yeah, he, he has a resin and a set of settings that he likes. And because it's gray that helps him to see whether or not the model actually looks good or if any bits are missing from it, you know, something didn't print. And um, I don't know. Both of us really are, you know, still near the bottom of the learning curve, but we're both, we're both novices, but we're both able to get useful prints. And that, mm -hmm. that statement alone, I think is, is useful information. 
Um, with these resin printers, anyone really can use them. You, you know, yeah. follow the one page of instructions to get it hooked up and leveled, and then uh, you know get some easy to start with files to to start printing. Get some pre supported models to start printing, and it is very likely that your first prints will turn out just fine. Will turn out you know pretty nice models. That's yeah. I think a pretty a common experience for, for people getting these resin printers. So, um, but then beyond that, there, there is so much to learn for a <laughs> fairly simple machine. I mean, and, and they are simple machines. It's, yeah, you know, it's a, an LCD screen, one motor that makes a platform goes up and down and then the timings that make the, all that work plus the chemistry of the resin that you pour in there. But plus the physics of the resin that you pour in there, plus the temperature, plus the, the age of the stuff, plus the, the batch of the stuff. Yeah, but... Right. <laughs> there are a lot of variables yeah. when it comes to this. Yeah, and it, um, and it can get deep pretty fast, but... Yeah. Um, on the whole, any, any old idiot can probably print stuff out okay, or at least after a couple of yeah. tries. You might, you might have a bad one the first couple, but you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll get it. Right. I mean, if we can do it, yeah, pretty much anybody can do it. Yeah. Okay, um, so there's, I, I think we uh, we covered the printing part of printing. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. can print. I can. It, it, you can. We. Yeah, can. it's a road to become an actual expert, but you can print. Yes. Yes. So moving into. Yeah. So what to print? Why do we print? Or uh, and and then the actual painting experience. So. Mm-hmm. I think I think part of the reason we wanted to talk about this uh, one is it, it is becoming more and more of what we are doing with our hobby time is printing models and then painting mm-hmm. models that we printed ourselves. But also, uh, you know, we heard on Trapped Under Plastic that John John is one of those <laughs> people who is uh, not ready to make the leap. He is right. He's he's not on board with the revolution. He's he's an old timer. He's what. I mean, I I can understand why. Like honestly, I get it. Yeah. Um so so John on Trapped yeah. Under Plastic has kind of made the statement that uh you know, 3D printed models are still not good enough in terms of, you know, quality and resolution and uh fineness of detail and and that sort of thing. And that's that's a point of view. So so how do you feel about that, Casey? It's I mean, he's not How's entirely the quality on wrong. these things. Like, they're soft. You know, if if you have a, a nicely sculpted model, he's got a lot of round edges and stuff like that. That just using it as an example, that same model of you running, um, it's it's pretty soft. You know, and I'm not sure if there's a way to sharpen that up, printing it. Um, but it's like, I painted this pretty quick. And if you set this next to any other model, you know, put it on a table, I don't think people would know. You know, if you're looking at it up close, you can see imperfections or lines or whatever. Um, but like I showed this stuff to my wife and she's just like, well, what's the point of buying models ever again? You know, like she doesn't really understand. Um I think for a lot of the purposes that these 
prints are being used for right now. Um, the quality is, is great. Like, if I want an extra bit for something, or if I want a little Brent running away from my giant, like, I can go and print it out and be pretty happy with the result. You know, I'm not... I don't think anybody's trying to print out competition pieces, you know? Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think pretty happy is is a good description for the quality. Sure, yeah. Um, I would say that for the... Mo- for the most part, the quality is not as good as something that's been cast out of either, you know, resin or metal or plastic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and we'll talk about, you know, all the uses of being able to manufacture anything you want in your basement in four hours or, you know, there's, there's a lot to talk about there, but in terms of the general quality, um, yeah, sometimes the detail can seem a little soft, although I'm always surprised about, you know, what details show up and what details don't. Sure. Uh, yeah, like like on that Brent figure, the the eyelids, you can you can see like the the tiny little li- uh, the lines little, for the eyelids the like within the lip, Yeah. Yeah, it there And so there 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 are some weird scaling issues like those eyelids won't take wash well. And and that's right. something we can get into, but um, sometimes it, it it seems like some of the difference I can tell is okay. This was sculpted on a computer and then printed for, as part of a monthly release, whereas and and then you know the artist moved on to the next project, and on to the next project, and on to the next project. Whereas, and I might just be telling myself this here, but I get the impression that GW models with that have a longer development time. And of course, they are computer designed themselves, yeah. but you know, the as part of the quality assurance process or whatever, like the the gaps and the channels and the divots in the minis, I think that they are designed to take washes well. I think that yeah. um, you know, some of these bigger companies are really designing the models to take paint and, and washes and, and dry brushing and all that stuff well. Whereas yeah. with some of these smaller, you know, even single person STL artists, they're they're making a cool piece of digital art and then mm-hmm. they're making sure that nothing is too thin, that it won't be able to be printed. And then it prints out and it's awesome that you have this little thing, but um yeah, this this may be just be like a superstition of mine, but I but I feel like some of these smaller company models don't take washes as well, like the like facial features or whatever, and maybe that's because of the the softness right. of the sculpt that comes out. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's just because there isn't as much thought given to okay, you know, the the crease on the face here needs to be at least 0.1 millimeters deep and and whatever to to actually take a wash. And I don't know. I'd be interested to to hearing other people's thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, But, but in general, I I would say that I am consistently surprised by the fact that this is even a thing. Uh, The the quality (laughs) is good enough that I can take a model and especially, you know, if I need to, prime it up to be able to actually see the detail but 
I am very, I am still surprised, and I've been at it for yeah, eight months or so, 3D printing, and I am still at a point where I look at a 3D printed model and be like, wow, this is incredible that I made this in my basement by just pressing right. a button, you know? <laughs> Imagine if 12-year-old Brent had this capability. Oh, man. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is just flat out insane that it's even a thing. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it's been all my life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, well, we, we are like in this last year or two at the tip of a big push on this side of our yeah. hobby. Mm -hmm. And, and I think in terms of talking about the quality, maybe that's the best way of describing it. The quality is now good enough that's causing this revolution and and there's you know half a dozen maybe a full dozen companies selling these resin 3d printers now there are dozens and dozens and dozens of artists selling stl files for dungeons and dragons or warhammer proxies mm -hmm. or you know what whatever game you want to use them in frostgrave yeah. but i don't know what people <laughs> you know use know all, all these minis in but <laughs> um I think that may be the the best indication of where we're at because you know 3D printers yeah. have been around for 15 years now, 10 yeah, years, quite a while for sure. Yeah, like if if you wanted to buy a, a 3D printer 10 years ago, you absolutely could, and you could make yourself, I don't know, like a, a bowl or a vase, a very yeah, a very liney vase. <laughs> Right. Uh, something to hold business cards on your desk that has a lot of lines in it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could make yourself, and, and that was cool enough, like, wow, I can press a button and make an object that has a lot yeah. of lines in it. But in, in terms of printing a figurine, that's that's fairly recent, and or at least being at a quality where anyone would actually want those figures, you know? Yeah, I mean, once once resin kind of entered into the consumer market, like people started to realize, like, well, we can print much higher fidelity. Like, yeah, we might as well try miniatures. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and and I think the yeah, the more I think about it, like the quality is good enough because these resin printers are selling like hotcakes. These right. STL files are selling like hotcakes. People are painting these up, you know, now looking around mm -hmm. uh, Instagram and all that stuff, you know, normally you recognize, you know, old GW models, but now looking around Instagram, I'm recognizing a lot of minis from these small STL companies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh man, that was from, you know, a couple months back Artisan Guild or a couple months back uh, Archvillain Games or, you know, what, what have you, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to see. I mean, it, it kind of opens up this avenue of just having more minis out there, which, I mean, it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing for everybody. You know, it's more exposure for the hobby in general. It's easier access. And, I mean, it's it's not, like, super expensive to buy uh, a resin printer. I mean, I think... I think any no. cubic's cheapest printer is like one fifty or one sixty or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, that is not expensive. Yeah, it's almost I would say less money to get into three D printing your own miniatures than it would be to start an entire 
brand new Warhammer army. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a Knight Titan or a, or a Bane Blade or, right. or Magnus. That's Magnus the Red, you know, that's. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, it makes sense why so many people are into it. I mean, especially if you, if you play board games, you know, and you want nice looking models for your board games. Yeah. Um, I've, I've found that there are an insane amount of models for Gloomhaven. Like you can get everything in that game and there's, there it's all represented by little tiles and little, you know, bits of this and that, whatever, two dimensionally printed on cardboard. Mm hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm looking at that going, okay, do I want to spend like a hundred dollars in resin to make this game the coolest game ever? Like I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me personally, having a 3d printer is the ability to fix any model that I come across. You know, I'm I'm not in it for within new reason. Models. Within reason, within yeah. some reason, sure. Yeah. Um, b- um, before we move off painting, though, I just wanted to say one more thing that I think there is a little bit of a skill to painting these things because the quality isn't mm-hmm. perfect yet. Um, so you know, the, these things are printing line by line, and also mm-hmm. the you know the cell phone screens or whatever the lcd led screens that shoot the radiation those are those are pixelated they're very high resolution but they are pixelated so in all three axes you are dealing with pixels when you're printing off these figures and so uh, especially in like big broad curved areas like uh, a flowing cape or something like that a lot of times it'll be the, the lines or the kind of topography maps will be a little more obvious. Yeah. Because in in all three dimensions, whether it's the pixels or whether it's the layers of the of the Z axis, you there are, you know, lines essentially. And they in some areas they're noticeable depending on the sculpt of the model and, and of course, you know, your settings for printing and everything can can minimize that. Um, but but sometimes you'll get a model where that's a little more obvious, and I've I've gotten into the habit of priming a bit heavier on these models to to fill that in, and again that of course is is doing a little bit of filling in of maybe some details that you actually want, but but again that goes along with uh, a little bit softer details, but yeah. you know there's there is a little bit of changing up the techniques that you use on some of these things uh, again i think they are designed uh less rigorously with you know washing and dry brushing in mind so uh maybe you you just you know more layering techniques or more wet blending or wet blending is great because you, you, again you're getting more paint more onto paint. the model a lot of yeah. times which will fill in <laughs> any of those little imperfections but yeah um I'm still working on it, but I think there is, it is a slightly different skill set to paint in a way where you're covering up the imperfections and you're not, you know, emphasizing some of the other, uh, problems with these minis. But once you do adapt just a little bit, like, yeah, you can get awesome painted minis out of these for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I've kind of noticed that too. 
um, even when I was painting this first one, because it's the only one I've painted so far, um, I did find myself like, I don't know, painting with more broad strokes, I guess, and layering over that, um, mm -hmm. you know, to get more paint on there. Um, and I, I also went in a little bit harder with some of like the texture. So, you know, if it's leather, trying to purposely make it look more scratched up because the detail was a little soft, especially around the corners. So it's like, okay, you know, where I would normally say edge highlight a corner of something, well, let me just paint that in and then give it some scratches. And, you know, then it looks like what I'm used to. But it was a little bit of extra thinking and effort to get there with this model. And, and I think you're right. It's because it's just a little bit softer and, yeah. you know, you're kind of trying to paint in details that don't technically exist. So maybe we just made John's point. You know, John was saying that these, you know, the, the quality <laughs> yeah. isn't there. They're, they're not good enough for him to paint. He, he wouldn't pay, you know, money for, for a 3d printer to, uh, to get out this quality minis. And yeah, that, that may just be, you know, the type of painting that you like to do. I know John is willing to spend dozens or in some cases, hundreds of hours painting a mini. And yeah, yeah in, in that case, I, I would pay a few dollars extra to order and then wait a couple of weeks for my order to arrive. And you know. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I do wonder though, if, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, the softness and the how different it is to paint is because the people who are designing these, while they are extremely good sculptors and they can make, like you said, that, you know, 3D art, like mm -hmm. the stuff looks amazing. But are they miniature based sculptors? Have they worked in that field for a while or if or are they just good at sculpting three dimensionally? Right. Like, some of them, are they purposely? Yeah, some of them are, some of them aren't. Sure. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a hit and miss thing. I like, yeah. I'm curious to see if there is some kind of, and, and you guys can let us know down in the comments. Um, it's youtube.com slash paint bravely the podcast <laughs> every time. Um, if there are STL files out there made by people who paint you know, who, who also paint their own miniatures or, you know, if they employ sculptors who have worked for companies that do regular casting or whatever the case is, um, yeah. because I'd love to see the, the actual difference. If, if a model is purposely designed from the ground up to be painted with, you know, a number one brush, like, is there an actual difference? Are those details actually sharper? Does it take wash better? Yeah. Something to think about. Yeah, I'm really curious about that. You know, I know uh, like Titan Forge we were talking about. I know one of the artists there used to mm -hmm. sculpt by hand and then okay. know, several years back made the switch from sculpting by hand to sculpting on the computer. Um, you know, I suppose I am presuming a lot of other folks got their start with digital art and then moved into to this realm. I, I, you know, I don't know the specifics on a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's kind of two issues there. Does you know sculpting so that something will print easier, and then sculpting so that something will paint easier, and you know th both of those things involve a lot of thought. And as yeah. this industry matures, I think you're going to see people 
you know, if they don't have experience now, those artists are going to gain experience in that over the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, folks like us are going to point out the kind of common problems in a lot of these minis. And, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, something to think about for sure, for sure. Definitely. Well, and that's that's something we can think about ongoing and talk about as, as we continue in our 3D printing journeys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you wanted to talk about why it is just straight up a good thing to have a 3d printer yeah because i can fix stuff what can you fix (laughs) um so like my only reason for ever actually wanting a 3d printer wasn't to print out new models i have a back catalog that's already going to be difficult to fit i don't need to print more models right like as cool as they are um I need bits. I need parts and pieces. I need things that I can manipulate, right? So, like, after I printed out the the file, make sure the printer was working. Got a cool model, right? Um, The next thing was I dove really deep into, like, Thingiverse and uh, all the other... There's a bunch of different free places to get STL files. Um, I also looked at a couple places where I can buy files and most of them come unsupported uh, which is why I was having print issues you know after that first one um, which I've since fixed but being able to find things like specifically a defcopter helicopter rotor blade right I mean I found the entire (laughs) defcopter you know and that's cool enough on its own and it looks really good Uh, a lot of resin though and it's almost like it's still cheaper than buying uh, one on eBay, but um, you know it's it's not an actual model either. So it's it's a whole thing. Like if you're cool with proxies, that's one thing. But you know, I think GW's ratio is like eighty percent has to be a GW model for them to like allow tournament regulated whatever. What you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. I was just waiting yeah. to see how you were going to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> tournament regulated whatever he thinks air quotes yeah that's how i'm gonna describe yeah. that but replacing um, a few def copta blades that have gone missing i think is one thing and just printing out a yeah. def copta is something else yes, entirely exactly yeah. yeah and i'm not i'm not necessarily in that camp of like full proxies and stuff um like it's fine i've seen people do it and it doesn't necessarily bother me um but generally the the files that I have found that are like, here's the full model. It's like an uncanny valley kind of thing. It's just not quite right. And you sure. can tell. Even, but when you even if somebody can't tell, so okay, I, I think be worse, right? I think you're right. I think you can tell. <laughs> yeah. But even yeah. even if your opponent can't tell, you'll know. <laughs> you know. And you know. And I think there's a there's a subset out there that will get some pleasure out of that. <laughs> they don't even realize Probably, that yes. this is pure <laughs> any cubic resin. This Defcopta, right. there's, there's, there's green. There's no polystyrene <laughs> anywhere in this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, actually, like, I would know, and and that would hurt me for 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 the games that don't encourage proxies. You know, if I yeah. if I had printed out my own frost frost grave warband from you know a bunch of different companies and really 
you know, diversified my, my wizard and my apprentice and, and their soldiers and their henchmen. Mm-hmm. I would love that because that, then that's opening up creativity. But if it's just yeah. like I am trying to uh, recreate a Def Copta, I don't know. Yeah. I'd feel weird, weird about it. Yeah, it just feels weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I printed out uh, a bunch of replacement uh, yeah, blades, and they're not exactly the same, but, I mean, once they're painted up and put on there, it's kind of like, yeah, like I got I got a Defcopta again. You know, it, it looks like it's supposed to look, and it's slightly modified. Um, I also plan on putting, like, uh, a bunch of other bits on them because it works, you know? You just do. I am uh, really glad that you're getting into orcs. This is this is making I'm me so happy excited. that you're getting into orcs. Well, I just yeah. realized something about orcs that I didn't know before. So, you know, I think we've talked about it on podcasts before. Like when I was younger, I really wanted to buy orcs. I was I wanted that to be my first army. And I was talked out of it by my friends. So I went with Eldar, right? And like now I'm even more upset about that <laughs> because I didn't realize that a lot of a lot of the um whatever they're they're not war scrolls in 40k i don't remember what they're called um codices codexes yeah Yeah, but like the individual stats on each one whatever battle sheets Uh, i made that that sounds right (laughs) can you tell uh anyways (laughs) um you'll remember right so a lot of the models and configurations and extras that you can use as an orc player, Games Workshop hasn't actually made the models for. And I didn't realize that that was a thing that they did. So there are options out there, like I can take a big mech with a with a shield generator on a bike. There is no such model, but it's usable and has rules in an orc codex. Yeah, I th- I feel like modern GW might be cutting down on that, but I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, but I was just blew my mind, right? Like I literally just figured this out like a week ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's there's always been this that. aspect of orcs that orcs are supposed to be, you know, made out of a Tonka truck plus some bits or, or whatever. Right. The, the fact that they at least seemingly encourage that kind of thing, um, just kit bashing a bunch of stuff and trying to make cool things, like, is so cool to me because it, it is unique. Every orc army is a unique army, regardless of if your green skins are using, you know, Caliban green for their skin. It doesn't matter because there's going to be something in that army that just looks different and cool. So, like, me printing out pieces and parts and extras for all of this stuff like only makes it better you know right. it, it just feels like such an orc kind of thing and i love that absolutely yeah and uh there is definitely a market out there for somebody to be selling you know cromlech orc heads except mm-hmm. 3d printable um Right. I would love to see, you know, head sprues. I'd love to see, uh, probably it already exists, but like Storm, what's the Orc Storm Boys? The Orcs with like a rocket tape to their backs. They're jump oh. pack boys. Oh, uh, 
crap. Storm uh, lads. So I think it might be Storm Boys, but I don't know. Okay. I was literally just uh, uh, speaking of which, I printed out smoke trails for those backpacks. And so their bases are now smoke trails that attach to the base, and that's their flying stand. That's an, and that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. So good. <laughs> that's real good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're called though. Yeah, the the bits aspect of 3D printing is amazing. Um yeah. I know in your conversion video you talked about uh miscast Trent. Yeah. And he actually uh, he and his his dad I think put together a mm-hmm. set that you can buy of Greebles, they call them, but like bits for futuristic buildings. So you get a cardboard yeah. box and then you glue on a bunch of these resin bits like vents and air conditioners and ladders and I don't know, whatever other things they have. But you can get so many of these like weird little accents that all of a mm-hmm. sudden make a project awesome. Yeah. And and again, it's a situation where you don't have to worry about like what else you have to buy to get that box. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you want the crazy little squig that only comes in this night goblin box, just just print out ten of that squig. You know, like uh, yeah. if you want a peasant running away and you don't want to have to buy a giant to get a peasant running away, uh, you know, just just print a hundred peasants. Like, go for it. Realistically, you can fit about like six figures onto a print run, d- depending on yeah, what their pose yeah. is. But that's true. Um, so I, I want to pose a question, or I guess uh, I don't know, like a poll, right? Um, so down in the comments of of the YouTube channel, I would love to know what are the most used bits that you just can't ever get enough of. So the things that you just wish you had on hand all the time, is it, is it heads? Is it a left arm? You know what I'm saying? Uh, guns, weapons, whatever that is. I'd love to know specifically what those things are that you just wish you always had on hand. Feathers. That's it. That's, yeah. Feathers. What? Oh, feathers. feathers. Yes. Yeah. Feathers. Yes. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Look, I remember a, a couple of years ago, I was thinking about, you know, someday I'm going to paint some space marines. I just got to figure out my chapter and I, I can't pick one of the ones off the shelf. I got to make my own chapter. And, you know, I'd seen some like jungle Aztec Mayan marines and they looked mm. awesome. But one of the, you know, kind of extra features that they had on a lot of them were feathers. Interesting. Okay. And, and I was like, okay, that's really cool. I've got some Marines. I I, I like this color combo, this, this you know, fun jungle color combo. And I just got to find some feathers. And then it was this thing of like, okay, what Games Workshop kits have feathers in them? Or who sells feathers? Where can I get feathers? And, you know, it came down to, okay, there were a few Zinch characters that had feathers. Yep. And... Yeah, there were a couple with lizard men. Not yeah. a lot, you know, but that star priest. Not that you would want to cannibalize too many star priest character models. Right. One, well, yeah, and they're they're all pre-attached. It's not like they're separate. Yeah. But if you have a 3D printer, uh, and this is something we haven't talked about, not only can you print feathers if you if you find a feather file, you can yeah. print them in any size you want. 
And that's yeah, something we haven't talked about yet. The size but, of your machine, yeah. Well, well, yeah, depending on the size of your machine. But something we haven't talked about is you can scale your prints uh, within reason mm-hmm. a lot. Like if, if you could make a giant out of any character, you just print them three times the height and now you have a giant. And yeah, it wouldn't yeah. necessarily work well with every sculpt. It might look <laughs> kind of crazy, but you can either you know make a giant... Or you can have one of your characters in a D&D game get cursed and become huge. That would be a really crazy <laughs> surprise for the DM to oh, pull. That would be so cool. Yeah. Just pull out, you know, a six-inch version of, of your model. That would down. be amazing. Yeah. It would be. Or or you can just print out, you know, a, a model that you like bigger so that it looks nicer on your desk at work or, I don't know, right. whatever. You get your nice, like, you get that know, figurine. Display. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that really blew my mind about 3D printing too. And and that is something I'm always looking at now when I see a new model is like would that look cool five <laughs> inches tall? Maybe, maybe. Well actually from the last set where it was the running Brent, right? Um they had another model in there that was like this goat that was holding a, a basket filled with people, like it was picking up people, right? Yep. And I printed that out in the same scale, you know, and it, and it looks pretty cool, but immediately it was like, this needs to be five inches taller than this. Mm-hmm. So he's gigantic. Like, of course. Nice. Did you I actually just, print that out yeah. huge? Not yet. No. Okay. I have the you're file gonna, ready. You're gonna, I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, For a video I did, you know, six months ago now, the first time I got my printer is I did just take an artisan guild archer, an Amazon archer yeah, and yeah. Uh, blew her up to, uh, I think like five times her normal height. And uh, I mean, it, my mind was blown that it actually worked and that now right. I have, you know, this mini that was tiny is now huge and it's, you know, entirely different in terms of uh, decor. You know, you can put this, Right. Is it still up on that shelf? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was really hoping. No, but but for that video, the gag I did was just kind of walking around and putting it on different shelves or like I could put it here or I could put it here or I could yeah. put it here. Um, but yeah, there there is like an, an entire extra dimension of creativity if you can just decide to, you know what, my goblin big boss is actually going to be 20% larger than the other goblins and that's why he got to beat them up and become the boss or, or right, know, whatever right. like there there's a, there's just this extra dimension of stuff you can do there which I think is pretty cool but for sure yeah all right what what other bits you were you were trying to con people into leaving a comment on the YouTube channel uh-huh. paint bravely the podcast uh uh-huh. bits they would like to see in the future I think Casey yeah, is like trying to get a money-making scheme idea. going here, but if you'd like to help Only him with that, bit. go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's something I've been thinking about even since before I had a printer, you know? Like, like I've wanted to start a Patreon for a while, and I still haven't because I can't think of anything I, I can actually offer that's, like, not me working twice as hard. Um, But something like that, like, hey, you know, here's this bits pack that I put together. You know, I want to get people to sculpt things for me and and put those things together just just to make it easier it's like i've done the work i've put in the time to figure out you know what these things are you know like feathers if there was just a pack of feathers 
I would probably help you. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, that that yeah. would be awesome. Do that so as a Kickstarter too. Like yeah, that. that's true. Yeah, get that feather Kickstarter going. <laughs> just feathers. That's what it's going to be called. Just get, get all feathers. our uh, YouTube friends to just get really into feathers for a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could probably convince everyone to just put feathers on everything <laughs> uh, yeah the sponsor of this video is uh feathers <laughs> feathers yep <laughs> it's, it's worth a shot uh so if you have a better idea than feathers uh let casey know down in the comments below and mm -hmm. uh we'll, we'll move away from bits here but yeah so yeah i I actually do enjoy printing extras of models themselves. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I already have an insurmountable pile of shame or pile of opportunity, library of opportunity. I yeah. will never, ever print, uh, paint all of the models that I have. But I I love printing minis. I, I do. Yeah. It's it's so fun. Something and addicting about it, for sure. There There is, and... <laughs> Uh, you know, viewers may know that I love doing test models mm. and yeah, some, something in my psyche is careful about putting paint on model, especially if I only have one of them. Oh, sure. But I, but I love the idea of, um, you know, having a spare in, in case something goes so terribly wrong. And we've made this point before you can always paint over stuff yeah, or strip paint off, true. but but if you can just print another one. Yeah, if you can just print another one, that's even easier. <laughs> and so, you know, when a print run finishes, you know, you, you wait the four hours or whatever for your print run to finish. And then you go down to the basement and like, oh, hey, it, it finished. And the it looks like it printed well. Everything worked. And at that point, you have an option. You could either, uh, you know, kind again. of turn off the printer. You mm -hmm. can go find a different file to print and you know make sure that the slicer slices that pr correctly and gets you another print file or you can just tell your printer to print this again you can yeah. just do an exact copy of what you just did and yeah. so if if six brents is good 12 brents is better you know that's like, true i i totally agree with you yeah yeah and that's that's been really tempting to me. And, and yeah, I know I, I spend an extra dollar or so of resin in, in telling my printer to to go and run yeah. that exact program all over again. But that's the thing, though. It is. It's like a dollar. Yeah. It, and, right. It, it, it's not an entire new box of product. Right. <laughs> and and so it's like, yeah, OK, cool. This uh, this mercenary looks pretty sweet. I think I'm going to really enjoy pr uh, painting this mercenary. I'll probably paint him red, but uh, better print out a few more copies in case I want to try green and blue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I am I am getting myself a little a little pile of minis, but yeah, always always good and bad. But in terms of uh, painting bravely, I guess there is that freeing aspect of knowing that you always have spares, and. Yeah. yeah. And the flip side of all this is you can digitally store your pile of shame. So if you do mm -hmm. collect files for, for printing, you don't have to print them all now and have them, you know, waiting around for your paintbrush. You can save them in a folder, which takes mm -hmm. up no space. And 
a couple of years from now when that mercenary would really hit the spot, that's when you print it out and have a physical copy and you know, you've that's very true. Maybe you've moved apartments two times since then and you're glad that you didn't have to carry around a box of mercenaries with you, but now it's yeah. the time that you could really put that <laughs> to good use. So Man, it's a, it's a crazy new world we're living in. Yeah. Uh so I think I think it sounds like both of us are more positive about this than John Ninas is, but we we take your point, John. The the detail isn't quite as good as a lot of yeah. you know traditionally cast minis, but it's still good enough to have a lot of fun with. To be very excited for the the future of this, and yeah, I'm glad you have a a, a printer now, Casey. Will yeah, I, I finally joined the club. I feel pretty <laughs> good about it. <laughs> now I just got to get like four more. That's fine. You, you don't have to. No, I, you know, what's funny about that though. Like as soon as I started printing, even the first model, I was just like, you know, this is going to take a while. I, I really need like at least one more <laughs> to make this a little bit easier on myself. <laughs> yeah. I go through periods where I'll spend, uh, you know, a couple of days doing a lot of printing and then I won't for a couple of weeks and then a couple of days doing a lot of printing, but there are times where I am tempted to set up all of my printers at once and, and just get them cranking, you know? Just go for it, yeah. Yeah. Just depends if the moment is right, that's all. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the only other thing to say is that there this really is exploding. There are a lot of artists putting their skills to good use, making minis for 3D printing that that field seems to only ever be expanding. You know, these uh, printing printer companies are constantly coming up with new models of printers and making them cheaper and cheaper. So this is here to stay. I'm here for it. I'm excited about it. As am I. There we go. So I think we pretty much nailed 3D printing. And I'm sure, you know, in subsequent episodes, we're probably going to talk about it more, I'm sure. In subsequent episodes, we will definitely talk about it more. Subsequent episodes, yes. <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> I was going to. <laughs> Don't cut that. <laughs> By the way, we have a new editor, so if this episode is not good, it's not my fault anymore. Yeah, the blame goes three ways now instead of two ways, so I'm happy right. about that. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. And on that note, thank you again for joining us on another episode of Paint Bravely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and sharing this message with your hobby friends. And as always, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time.